Acts chapter 9. I'm going to, I'm going to go against tradition and the way I normally do things. I, I usually read straight from the top, but I've got some things I've got to get out before I begin to read about Saul's encounter. As I'm studying encounter, as I'm studying and looking over and trying to deal with what God has put in my heart, I begin to see a recurring pattern in Scripture. I love it when there's recurring patterns in Scripture. And the way I was taught, when you see recurring patterns, pay extra attention to recurring patterns. Because it, it gives us a glimpse into the character of God. It gives us a glimpse into the person of God. It gives us a glimpse into, uh, into what He's about. And so I, I, I'm looking through Scripture, and I find, and there are many truths that we can pull out of Scripture about this word, about this thing, uh, this this encounter. There are many truths, but I found uh, especially four that I want to look at. I want to talk about how encounter always in Scripture always brings change. Encounter always brings change. There's not a time in Scripture where someone encountered God and left the same way. There's not, a, there's not a single time in the New Testament where someone encountered Jesus and left the same way they came. And so encounter always brings change. You cannot experience the living God and leave the same way you came. You cannot, you can't in, in, uh, experience the living God and lead the same way. A 99-year-old, uh, faithful yet fruitless Abram left an encounter as Abraham, the father of many nations. Uh, Jacob, the deceiver, the supplanter, left an encounter with his hip out of joint and walked with a limp for the rest of his life. Because of an encounter with God. Moses was a fearful, non-eloquent man who left his encounter as a mighty leader. The adulterous woman at the well left her encounter with Jesus as an evangelist who went into Samaria and told and told her and told them about a man who told her everything she ever did. The poor, sick woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garments left completely whole. The scarred and naked demoniac left the presence of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. There's always change when encounter takes place. Now, if you don't think that you need to change in any way, get in the Word and realize that God wants to change you. Pastor, preacher, teacher, uh, deacon, whatever. God is, you are always ready to be changed. Encounter always brings change. Encounter is always about more than just you. Your encounter with God is about more than a goosebump. It's about more than, than your, than that specific blessing or that breakthrough that you're seeking. Encounter is more. Uh, it is about more. It's about 
those, uh, it's about those to whom God has called you. And thirdly, and I, I'm going to go right into the scripture here, and I had to set that part up before we get into the scripture. Because this is where I believe God is leading me tonight to kind of um, set up camp right here for a little while tonight. Encounter always leads to awakening. Encounter always leads to awakening. Somebody shout yes. So let's go into the scripture. Acts chapter 9. Start reading verse 1. Saul, still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any there of the way, either men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he went, he drew near Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, Who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what will you have me to do? The Lord said to him, Rise up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Encounter, Paul's encounter, Saul's encounter with the living God. Saul's encounter with, uh, with the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus is where we, I want to, I want to set up camp tonight. I want to talk about how encounter leads to awakening. This word awakening is, is part of, uh, is part of what God has given me in this season. Awakening. How many knows we need awakening in the United States of America? Amen. North Georgia needs awakening. Chattanooga needs awakening. Murfreesboro, Nashville. Good Lord, Nashville needs an awakening. Tennessee. The, our, our, our country needs awakening. But awakening can only come when God's people have had an encounter. Because here's the, here's the thing. Here's the trick. God has given us the ability, God has given us the responsibility of being the body of Christ in the earth. If awakening is going to happen, it is going to be because of us. Now, don't, don't take me wrong there. It's going to happen because God is sending it, but he's got to have somebody to send it to. And it's going to start in the house of God. Amen. So I want to talk about this, this awakening uh, that, that encounter leads, uh, that encounter leads to. We've got, we've got to have an encounter with God before we can ever usher in awakening in our city, in our family, in our school. God wants to send awakening everywhere. God wants to send awakening to your workplace. I believe that the, I think the next great awakening is going to be a marketplace awakening. I believe God is getting ready to do a thing that is probably going to make a lot of religious people upset. Because God is just going to, God is just going to be God. God is really good at being God. Amen. 
And God doesn't, God, God doesn't have a, uh, God don't mind if he just blows your mind, right? I got to get back in my notes real quick. So the first thing we see about this, the first thing we, we're going to pull out of this, this text is Saul is on his way to Damascus. Uh, he's got uh, letters where he's going to go to the synagogue. He's going to turn those letters in. He's going to say, I need these people because they're spreading false doctrine about God. And he's going to imprison them. He's going to, uh, he was there just the previous chapter. He was there guarding the coats of the men who stoned Stephen. He's on his way to gather more, to be imprisoned, and to eventually be killed. When suddenly a light appears, a light, there's nothing like some light to wake you up. I hate it in the morning time. When I was a kid, it was time to get ready to go to school, and Dad would come in there, and the last resort was turning the light on. The first first few times, it's like, all right, it's time to get up. The next time you you get a little bit louder, I employ the same method with my children. All right, I said, it's time to get up. The third time, here comes the light. And if if you're brave enough, you'll stay there and keep your eyes closed even though the light's on. But the next time Dad comes in the room, he's bringing a belt, right? But usually that, that light, that, that light, when that light comes on, it's enough to disturb you out of sleep. Nothing like having a light on in the bedroom. I hate it. I used to sleep, now, when I was a teenager, I would sleep with a TV on in my room. There's no way I could do that today. I got older, I guess. If I slept with the TV on all the time in my room, I would never get a wink of sleep. Because light disturbs me. And there's a reason for that. Light is a disturbing agent. When the light comes on, you know something's about to change. When the sun comes up every morning, you know it's morning time. The, the, night, is, the night is gone. It's a new day. Time to get up and drive 35 miles to work. Oh, man. <laughs> it gets old. In national traffic, I'm, I'm working my way to, be sanct- to being sanctified, but it's taking a while. It's, it's not fun. <laughs> but awakening, what, what is awakening? Light, light always brings awakening. Suddenly this light shone around Saul. The light, the awakening are moments where God suddenly turns the light on in your life, in your family, on your job, in your school. Suddenly the light is turned on. Moments where the sovereignty of God may not seem obvious at first, but when the results start happening, you'll see God's hand in ways you never thought you could see it before. When the light suddenly comes on. Now, I believe that we're at, we're, I believe that, that in the body of Christ and in the, in, the, in the world, in the United States, we're on the brink of something major when it comes to awakening. I honestly believe that. I, I believe that more now than I ever have. I know that church attendance is way down across the board in this nation. I know they say that we're on our way to becoming the next United Kingdom and, and where nobody goes to church anymore. They're turning old church buildings into skate parks. They're turning old church buildings into, into a concert venues. But I believe God 
rolling up his sleeve in this next season. Because I believe light brings awakening. I think that awakening takes place in public. Awakening doesn't always uh, uh, doesn't always uh, tell you it's coming. Awakening awakening just happens. It can't be hidden or relegated to our holy homes. That's right. Awakening cannot be relegated to our uh, uh, to our Sunday night prayer meeting. Awakening just happens. But here's another thing. When awakening happens, light comes. Light exposes things. Light exposes things. Light exposes those who want to continue sleeping. Light exposes uh, hidden, we thought, hidden motives. Light exposes, and that's why awakening is something that the church world gets a little worried about. A lot of the church world, we want revival because we think Revival is a few services where everybody comes to church and everybody shouts. We love that. But awakening carries with it a far different uh, reality. Awakening gets all down, all up in the nitty gritty. Awakening exposes things. Light brings awakening. Light brings disruption. It's a disruption. Uh, Awakening is disruption. Awakening disrupts schedules. Awakening happens in such a way that it interrupts the ordinary. Awakening challenges the status quo. You know status quo. Right? Three or four songs. Um, The offering. Um, Just normal church. I'm not saying anything's wrong with normal church. I love normal church. I've been a normal church goer my entire life. I love normal church. It's great. But I love extra normal church. I love out of the ordinary church as well. I love awakening. Because awakening is movement. There's movement. Sometimes when we get when we get so stuck in normal church, it can become ritualistic. That's right. It can become, okay. God, here you see my sacrifice. I can't watch my favorite show. So I'm going to church. I'm, I'm going to sacrifice my favorite show for you, God. It, it's so much deeper than that. It's so much deeper. Awakening disrupts the status quo. Awakening, and I'm going to say something that, that might be controversial, but I'm going to work it out. Believe me. Awakening can bring disorder. Right. Amen. And we, we read all, all through the scripture of God is a God of order. And He is. He, he set the tabernacle in order. He said uh, the men of God were set in order. God is a God of order. But when God moves, from our perspective, it kind of looks like chaos. From our perspective. I'm not talking about silliness and people getting in the flesh and and, and acting all crazy uh, out of the spirit. Right. I know a lot of them. And hey, we're Pentecostal. They're going to label us crazy regardless, right? But a lot of times when, when God's real tangible presence enters a room, enters a city, enters a country, enters a state, it kind of looks like disorder. God cannot be tamed. You can't tame God. You can't manipulate God into a system 
that says, if I do such and such and such and such, then God will do this here. Amen. I found you can't pinpoint God like that. That's right. <laughs> because He's God. Now there are certain things that we do, we pray, we study. We, we know that when we draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to us. Sure, absolutely. But the way God moves in awakening, the way that God moves can't be pinned down. I, I, I read something that A.W. Tozer wrote. He said, uh, it's the fear of falling into the hands of God that makes us so eager to get things reduced to a formula. We feel that if we learn the secret of salvation or the steps into the blessed life, we can control our future and though we would not admit it, control God Himself. We, we write books. We, we buy books. We fill the, we fill the Christian life section at, at, at Barnes and Noble full of books of ways to, of, of six steps to manipulate God to moving for you. That's not what they say. It's not how they're written. It's not how they how they how they title it. And of course, there are things. There are certain things that we always uh, we always need to be doing to grow in our spiritual lives. But if you think you can break God into a formula to get God to move the way you want Him to move, you've got the wrong God. There are gods, small g gods, that are like that. You do certain things, and they'll do certain things for you, right? Or so the legend goes. The religious crowd had been managing God for a really long time. And when Jesus came along, they found out that God could not be managed. They'd been trying to manage God and trying to manipulate God into their box, into their religious structure, most of which was all added to what God had said. And then when Jesus came along, they found out they could not manipulate, they could not manage God. God wasn't being managed all along, just in their heads. So I find that this light, this light that brings awakening. Another thing I find in the scripture, I find a voice. I find light that shone around about Saul, that knocked him off his high horse, and brought awakening into Saul's life. And then I find this voice. He says, verse 4, he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I'm Jesus who you are persecuting. It's hard for you to keep against the goats or the pricks. Uh, it is, uh, then, then Paul said, uh, then the word says here, trembling and astonished. Paul said, Lord, what will you have me to do? When, when the voice of God begins speaking, Saul begins to tremble. Saul trembled at the voice of Jesus. God's voice brings shaking. The, the voice of God brings shaking. I believe Saul's dependence in his knowledge of God, quote unquote. Remember, Saul learned at the feet of Gamaliel. Saul was a, a, a devout Pharisee. He, he, if you go over to Philippians, he, he gives you his, uh, his long list of accolades. Circumcised on the eighth day, right? And, and of the tribe of Benjamin. And, and as regards to the law, I was faultless. <laughs> but in that moment, 
when, 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 when Jesus knocked him off his high horse and he began to hear the voice of God, Saul began to tremble. Because the voice of God causes things to shake. Now, I've never been fortunate or unfortunate enough, I guess, to actually hear an audible voice of God. I've never heard that. But can I tell you that we have a lot of the voice of God right here? We have, uh, as Pentecostal believers, we believe in things like the, uh, the prophetic words and we believe in, 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 in tongues and we believe that God is speaking through people. Amen. And there, there comes a time and a point where uh, we are Pentecostals and some of that can become old hat and we kind of take it for granted. But then we, we have to get back and realize, wait a minute, God is speaking something here. That's right. And when God speaks, we should tremble. When God speaks, things shake. Yes. I believe Saul's dependence on the law was being shaken when he heard the voice of Jesus. Amen. I believe Saul's hatred of Christ yes. was being shaken out of him as he trembled. Come on. Amen. We need things shaken out of us. Amen. Hallelujah. We, when we come into encounter with the living God, things should be shaken Amen. out of us. Amen. Our dependence on self. Yes. Our, our, uh, our loyalty, Here, here's one, our loyalty to things that aren't compatible with His kingdom purpose. We are so loyal to so many things that are so anti-Jesus. We are loyal to things that are anti-Jesus. And uh, let, me, let me go over to, to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 18, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no, that, that no further word be spoken to them. Yes. Uh, this word, because they could not bear what was commanded, that even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was such a terrifying thing that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to the mediator of a new covenant. Yes. To, you have come to this, to this blood, sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused Him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from Him who warns us from heaven? At that time, he, His voice shook the earth. But now He's promised, once more I will shake not only earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate removing of those things that can be shaken. That is, created things that, so that that which cannot be shaken may remain. Well, what cannot be shaken? Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let's hold on to the things that cannot be shaken. Anything earthly can be, and will be, and is being shaken. Yes. Amen. If 
But if you did, Hollywood's being shaken. And I know a lot of us, maybe not in here, but a lot of us nationwide put a lot of hope in Washington, D.C. My goodness, history should tell you never to put hope in the government. Things are being shaken. Man-made things. Created things. But we're receiving something that cannot be shaken. The voice of God is shaking things all over America. The voice of God is shaking things. It should be shaking things in our, in our personal spiritual walk. God wants to shake some things off of us. But we don't find that out until we get into encounter. We don't find those things out until we get into awakening. God wants to shake things off of us. Because God's got to work for us, man. We are the body of Christ. God's got to work for us. He's got something for us to do. Uh, the kingdom, this kingdom that cannot be shaken, we're receiving this kingdom that has no ability to be shaken. It's impossible to shake the kingdom of God. Amen. Why don't we hold on to that? Yes. And, and, and let go. Let those things that God wants to shake off of us. Yeah. Fall to the ground. Encounter. Encounter brings awakening. The awakening happens when the light hits and we hear the voice. Now, as I said, chances are you're not going to hear the audible voice of God. Some have. I firmly, you know, I, I believe some. I never have. I have never heard an audible voice of God, Joel, thou shalt, he speaks in King James English, you know that, right? God speaks only in King James English. Thou shalt move thy family to Murfreesboro. He never once said that. He never said that to me. But man, he stirred my heart. How does God speak? He shakes you. Believe you me. It was a scary thing selling my house in Ringgold to move to a city where I didn't know anybody. <laughs> it's a scary thing. That'll shake some stuff off of you. That'll shake some apathy. That'll shake, that, that'll shake you and, and try to get you to realize, wait a minute, I better make sure that my prayer life, I better make sure I'm really hearing from God. I better make sure that I'm really hearing what God is saying. Because I haven't heard an audible voice. But there was a stirring inside me. What's God stirring you to? I'm not saying God's stirring anybody in here to move your family, to plant a church. Uh, you have to be half crazy, at least, to do something like that. And uh, that's just how that is. But what is God stirring in you? What is God shaking off of you? What is what is this season of shaking? What has it what has it uh, uh, taken off of your life? Maybe the fear of people. Maybe the fear of rejection. I dealt with that big time. Maybe just that word, that one four letter word, fear. I can't tell you the battle that I had with fear growing up. 
the battle that, that, that still wants to face me when it comes to moving out in ministry. This little thing called fear. God wants to shake fear out of our lives. Because here's the thing. Here's what, here's what it's going to take in 2018. And I believe in 2019. And going forward until the Lord comes back. It's going to take people. Who are relentless. In their pursuit of God. Amen. That are going to get the work done. There's a, there's a large work ahead of us. We are the body of Christ. We are we are the, uh, the we are in the kingdom of God. We are holding on to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's going to take a relentless, fearless attitude in the spirit. Amen. To bring awakening. I'm trying to wind down. I'm trying to come in for landing. Just a second. But God wants to shake things off of us. That's why he sends awakening. That's why, and here's the thing, with encounter, with encounter, obviously the story of, of Paul, of Saul's conversion is a little different. I just used it to, to kind of launch this, this point, to launch this sermon, but most of the time encounter starts with us. We've got to want to encounter God. That's right. Brock said it earlier. Pastor Brock said it earlier. Was God came and dwelt and tabernacled amongst us. He tabernacled. Jesus came. Uh, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made. It was made in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. He came to His own, and His own received Him not. Jesus literally tabernacled amongst His own people, and they missed it. They literally, he was there in the flesh and blood. The one who Isaiah prophesied 700 years before. The one who the prophets all spoke of. The one who the entire Old Testament, the entirety of their Bible was leading up to, was on the scene and they completely missed it. So yes, God's presence is absolutely here for us. But if we're not real careful, we can miss it. His own people missed it. They missed it. They missed their encounter. So he's done his part. God has done his part. What are we going to do to do our part? We've got to seek encounter. We've got to go out after it. I know, and I'm just... I guess I'm just riffing now. I'm not even on my notes right now. <laughs> we are... Uh, how can I put this? The presence of God is available and uh, it is accessible. Yes. The, the, the veil was rent from top yes, to bottom. Right. We, the, we, we can approach boldly to the throne of grace. Sometimes I think we're we're waiting on some kind of major manifestation to move us into encounter. You don't need a major manifestation. The major manifestation happened 2,000 years ago on a cross. That was the major manifestation. Now, God can send major manifestation today, and He does. 
And He will. But you don't have to wait on anything else. You can move into an encounter with God. You can move right into it. And, and I believe sometimes that, that we get on the doorstep of encounter and we kind of know these things because we're, we're people of the Word and we, we study and we know the Word and we, we know that God's presence always brings a shaking. And sometimes that scares us. And we get, to, we get right to the threshold and God begins to remind us of some things we need to deal with. God begins to remind us of some things that He wants to shake off of us. And we get right to the threshold and we say, I'm not ready to deal with that yet. I'm not. And we purposely back out of encounter. We, we, of our own volition, we back out. Because we don't want to experience the shaking. And who can blame us? Shaking's not a fun thing. When God begins to deal with us about certain things in our life. Finally, let me recap. Encounter always brings change. Encounter is always about more than just you. Encounter brings awakening. And finally, encounter brings the kingdom to bear in our lives. Uh, I looked up that phrase bringing something to bear. And uh, there's an Oxford dictionary that defines phrases and uh, all those fun English things. To bring something to bear means to exert influence or pressure so as to achieve a particular result. God sends encounter and awakening as part of encounter for his people to exert kingdom influence. We are to exert kingdom influence in the earth. Encounter brings the kingdom to bear. Saul's encounter brought personal awakening to Saul. Now, I used to preach and teach that Saul's name was changed to Paul. Well, that's not really true. Saul was still known as Saul to his Jewish audience, which, by the way, kind of dwindled way off after every time he went into a synagogue, they beat him to within an inch of his life and even killed him at one point, stoned him. And he was known as Paul to the Gentiles. But Saul's encounter brought personal awakening which led to his bringing the kingdom to the Gentiles. What need we say more about this guy Paul? Saul, two-thirds of your New Testament is written by him. Paul to the Gentiles evangelized the known world with the gospel. Every single place he went, a riot broke out. If you've ever heard of N.T. Wright, he's a, he's a, uh, a New Testament scholar over in uh, Scotland. And he, he, he makes the point, everywhere Paul went, a riot broke out. Everywhere I go, they serve tea. There's nobody, nobody quite brought out the controversy 
like the Apostle Paul. Everywhere he went, a riot broke out. He was beaten. He was bloody. He was stoned. He was jailed. Yet through every opposition, everywhere Paul went, kingdom was planted. Every place he went. Whether it caused riots. At one place, they were going to literally tear him limb from limb. At Ephesus. And, and they had the, the great uh, goddess Diana, the great goddess Artemis, who was, who's, who's, uh, uh, there was a, a major uh, economy that was built around the goddess. And they had statues everywhere. And all of a sudden, people start trashing their idols. And the city's, uh, the city's economy starts tanking because everybody was making money off the sale of the goddess Diana. And they would have literally ripped Paul from limb to limb from limb. He was, they were there and there was a riot breaking out. And people started shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the, the enemy doesn't like it when we take territory. The enemy doesn't like it when kingdom is planted. But encounter brings the kingdom to bear. What if I told you, and, and musicians, whoever's coming, come on, I'm, I'm, I'm on final approach. What if I told you that God wants to do the same thing with you? I don't mean everybody's called to plant a church. I don't mean everybody's called to pastor a church. Good Lord, bless your heart if you are. I don't mean everybody's called to some gigantic pulpit ministry, go go set up a tent crusade in the in the, the, the next available lot. But everybody's called yes. to bear the kingdom. To bring the kingdom to bear in the lives of people. Everybody's called. Teenagers, middle schoolers, high schoolers. Just random people who just go to work every day. We're all called to bring the kingdom to bear. That's our calling. To, to shine the light of the kingdom in everyday circumstance. In everyday situation. We all hear the... A lot of preachers talk about how God has us here for a purpose. He's got a people for us. To reach out to and to, and to touch their lives. That's really true. That's actually true. God has somebody or many somebodies for you to reach. To bring the kingdom to their life. But if we're not willing to go through encounter. We may never see that. We might never understand. What God has put us on earth to do. Without an encounter with Him. Without having some things shaken off. So that we can be the body of Christ. So that we can be the kingdom. So we can bring the kingdom to bear in the lives of people. Everybody just stand with me. I went against every rule of preparing a message to, 
to get this out. That this is the only way I can figure out how to get this out tonight. But God is, has made the way. God has made the way for us to walk right into the Holy of Holies. Amen. He has made the way. Sent His only Son to die on a cross to open up and allow us free access right into the room. You don't have to wait on some gigantic clap of thunder. Chances are you're not going to be driving down 27 in a few minutes and a gigantic light appear out of nowhere and tell you what you should do, where you should go, and who you should minister to. Chances are that's not going to happen. Chances are you're not going to go home and hear this loud, thundering, booming voice telling you you need to go talk to so-and-so about Jesus. But we've got to really press in into that room, into that place where God is saying, come. God said, you want an encounter? Come on in, man. Amen. Come. Don't make it, don't make it bigger than it has to be. Come on in. That's what he said. take a step this way. Y'all take a step this way. I want us just to... I know you've got some, something you want to do in a minute as well. I want us to take the next three minutes. I, I just want us to gather around the front. He's going to sing the songs and uh, uh, of worship. And we're just going to lift up our voices. I'm going to come down and I'm going to lay hands on people and, pray, and just pray with you. And agree, come into agreement with you. Because I believe God is inviting us in.